This episode of Neon Maniacs brought to you by Big Ice Cream, the coldest, the creamiest. Get it in you now. Sponsored by Quantum Leap. <laughs> You're still listening. This is our final transmission. We're here, Jamie. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Let's, uh, should we introduce ourselves? Hi, I'm Sam Russo. I'm uh, one of your hosts this evening, this morning, this day on the Final Transmission podcast. And who's this before my very eyes? Uh, this is Jamie Carruthers. I'm the other host. There's only two of us. And I'm also here with, with you, Sam. Although Excellent. We're, in, we're in different places. I'm glad we cleared that up. It's been, it's been bugging me. Yeah, and you're listening to the Final Transmission podcast. Congratulations. A weekly horror movie review show where we talk about horror movies and we review them. One at a time, usually. Yeah. If we really want to get into the details. And this week, Sam, we're talking about the 1986 sloppy slasher, <laughs> Neon Maniacs. Sloppy slasher it is. Oh boy, it's the fast times at Ridgemont High of bad 80s slashers. That's high praise coming from you. You love Fast Times. I do, and I love Neil Maniacs. Spoiler alert, everyone. I think this is a fucking blast. I was pretty worried that you weren't going to like it because it looks like it's been edited together by a five-year-old with ADHD. It's so badly made. The editing is absolutely ghastly. It's not just jump cuts. It's like... Cutting people off mid-sentence bad. I have got all the time in the world for that kind of slapdick, shoddy fucking workmanship. Let me tell you, this is going straight onto my uh, much respect for how little you care list. Yeah. It's punk as fuck. The reason that I that I wanted to cover this around about now was uh, my pal, Stephen Scarlatta, who you may know as one of the hosts of uh, the Best Movies Never Made podcast. He also recently directed a documentary called Shark Exploitation about mm -hmm. shark movies. But he's got a podcast on at the moment. It's just started its second season, which is called In the Shadow of the Neon Maniacs, Ooh. which is a deep dive into Neon Maniacs. It's, it's literally in its second season. So, like, he's got a lot to say about what Neon the Maniacs. Fuck? A Neon Maniacs podcast that goes deep, so deep into the movie that it's on its second series. Yeah, so he's uh, he's chatting with the everybody involved. Uh, he's, it's really Whoa. good. It's a good podcast. I would massively recommend it. But obviously, after our podcast, this is more important. I, yeah, I hope everyone listening to this goes and listens to that. And I hope he does not listen to this. <laughs> My knowledge of this movie, cursory at best. His knowledge, borderline encyclopedic at this point, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, Stephen is a genius. Like... I, I got in touch with him uh, a little while ago when we talked about Night of the Living Dead, because obviously I know that he is a genius when it comes to movies that never got made. Mm. So I had a chat with him about the the other uh, remake of Night, Night of the Living Dead that we talked briefly about because there was that mention of it in that issue of Fangoria. And he was fucking useless, frankly. Couldn't help me <laughs> at all. But <laughs> he's, a, he's a lovely guy, so that's fine. I mean, I think if if your if your tag is you're the the world's leading expert on movies that never got made, uh, you're immediately worthy of an enormous amount of respect from people like me, because that's that's a little niche corner of 
of uh, speculative fiction history that I just can't get enough of. Yeah, no, I love it. The the podcast Best Movies Never Made is really mm. good. They like tend to do like table readings oh, of wow. like bits of scripts that uh, that never got made. They did like a three episode dive on like unmade Halloween sequels. Oh, magical stuff! I got to get into that. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out as soon as we're done here. I think. I mean, I think I know where this is going. There is no Neon Maniacs 2, right? There is no Neon Maniacs 2. But holy hell, could there be 20 to 30 Neon Maniacs movies? This could have been a serial TV show. This could be anything. Yeah, it's because there are 20 to 30 Neon Maniacs, and you see them for about 15 seconds each. Totally true. When I say this could have been anything, I might already be getting ahead of myself a little bit. What it couldn't be is one good film. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, how did you first come across the 1986 rated R, one hour, 31 minutes, Neon Maniacs? Um, I think this was a video shop, saw the cover on the wall quite a lot. Mm. Never actually got around to renting it. Uh, saw it maybe a little bit later when I was maybe drifting out of my teens and into my 20s. But finding it a real slog, but just really enjoying the heart that was always there. It's a film that's yeah. made with love. It's a film where someone obviously was like, why isn't there a horror warriors? The horriors? Like, why doesn't that exist? Good question. Bad answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm impressed that you you saw this in its video store days, I guess. Not enormous distribution, I would imagine. No, I don't think so. Mm. But a flashy old cover. It's it's got everything, Sam. It's got teenagers, Neon maniacs. Yeah, it's got teenagers doing things that only twenty five year olds would do. It's got a battle of the bands with two bands taking it in yep. turns. Such a fucking <laughs> war on that stage. Woof. Yeah, it, I mean, it's got nothing, but what it lacks it makes up for with more nothing this movie has no reason to be so much fun like it, i think a lot of it is down to the confidence yeah. of this movie this it's, it's this got a lot is, of chutzpah it's got a lot of spunk it's not winning any beauty pageants but it's getting up there and strutting like fuck wish so you you obviously saw it years after you you uh, saw the box in the video shop. What? Which cover art did it have? Interestingly, do you remember? Oh, I don't quite remember. A lot think, of variants. I think maybe it was the samurai guy was front and center. Nice. Which I fucking I hate the samurai guy. He's the worst. He looks like Maniac. such garbage. <laughs> um, but we'll talk in depth about each neon maniac and which one, which ones we like, and which ones are naff as fuck. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's it's one of those films that's sort of obviously very hampered by a budget mm. or lack of. Mm -hmm. And it's just made with like enormous heart. The director, it's the only movie that he directed, I think. I couldn't find much. Oh, so he directed something else called Smoke and Flesh. It's just, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I don't want to put it next to The Room or like Birdemic, but it's like that that level of like, clueless director trying really hard to make something that lives inside him and this is what comes out and you you feel the passion if nothing else yeah if even if everything else is a whoops the the passion counts for something it's it's bizarre because i'm filing it as 
you know, it's it's for me classic Friday night movie. No one's really paying attention. Everyone's wrestling and throwing shit at each other, screaming at you know all the ridiculousness and having a, a massive laugh, which is generally speaking a a pretty huge and pretty wonderful category in my mental library of movies. So you know, I I don't have an enormous amount of justifiable criticism of this film because it does exactly what I want it to from start to finish. We got to remember it's 1986 and we're talking about maybe a million bucks. So I don't know what the fuck people want from this film, but if you think it sucks, adjust your expectations would be my advice. <laughs> yeah. We're speaking directly to Ben Small right now. Oh boy. Are we speaking? We're speaking to all of our listeners really because <laughs> they're going to hate us for making them watch this. Do, do you have any kind of uh, snops that you want to drop? Well, so the synopsis is a group of teens are killed by the neon maniacs and then the surviving final girl from that scene is miraculously saved by the rain. Um, she doesn't see anyone die, but she knows that they're dead. And she tries to tell the police. The police laugh in her face. There's another character that's obsessed with horror movies because it's a horror film from the 80s and that's a character that has to exist. Mm. They band together along with a character who is painted in the opening scene as the dorkiest guy on like in the school yeah but then later on someone was like he's the hottest guy in school so <laughs> so yeah so who's he who knows he's in a band called the outlaws who are like a synth pop rock band <laughs> yeah they sound like, sound like rush it's like mr mr oh good grief like yes, they do yeah, that sort of mawkish power ballad nonsense. Um, and surprise, surprise, I love them. Yeah, I. There's in the battle of the band scene. Obviously, we'll talk about this a bit more later. There's a there's a hair metal band, mm -hmm. and they're so bad that not even I can like them. Wow, I because I did wonder while I was watching because I know who my vote's going for in that battle of the bands, but I thought, oh, Jamie's gonna love this complete garbage. But wow, are we in for a, a plot twist here? Well, they're just it just sounds very thin. Play your guitar, vocalist man. Let's yeah. let's add some heft to this so-called metal sound. Come on now. We do get to hear a lot of music in this movie, right? Oh, there's a, yeah, we a do. lot of music. A lot of what I would describe as like soap opera library music yep and again as always with this kind of music no notes it's <laughs> perfect from start to finish <laughs> yeah so this synopsis has been derailed but the film doesn't really have a plot there are a, a group of mutant maniacs that live under the golden gate bridge do they live under it they live in it they live in it <laughs> which is even better They've uh, someone took the time to make trading cards, and left them lying around in a uh, like a steer skull head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the there's there's very little internal logic, and that's fine. And that is fine, a hundred percent agree. So in terms of a synopsis, that's this is what you're getting. That's what you get. Some kids die, and do you know what? In terms of the synopsis. When those kids are all killed by the Neon Maniacs, I was so glad we weren't going to spend the whole movie trying to figure out who the Neon Maniacs are. Yeah. Nobody in this movie cares. They're just It's just accepted that there's a bunch of mutants living inside the Golden Gate Bridge. They've killed a bunch of kids, and now they're running around for some reason trying to kill this other girl. Uh, 
And I love that nobody thinks too deeply about that. The cops are trying to figure it out in the way that cops do. Like, we want to solve the crime and, you know, resolve the case or whatever. But they're not like, who are these people? What's their motive? It's just like, they exist. They're on a rampage. Let's try and save this kid. But also not. And they also, they get killed by rain. Yes. Yes. So, fatal flaw in the design of the Neon Maniacs is that they cannot abide even a drop of liquid not just water i found out because there's there's the scene at the battle of the bands where the guy's like keeping his distance from the girl who has a cup of wine oh yeah so any liquid destroys the neon maniacs the mighty marauding evil neon maniacs i think in a bit we'll talk about where you think they come from okay but for now we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about neon maniacs i think i mean i think at this point you know how we feel about it but yeah. let's get into some fucking detail, Sam. Let's get grizzly. Let's get let's chew the gristle out of this bad boy. Whoa! Whoa, holy shit. I guess that's why they call it Phantom Power. Red Scare Industries, what's the hype? What's going on? What are the kids saying? The kids are saying, no cap, it's a it's a piff label full of full of riz, and uh, I think that's it. I don't think that's all I've got. That was pretty good kid speak. I, I like I like your work. But it's a good label, Sam. Red Scare Records, Red Scare Industries, cracking label. Loads of great records. Red Scare Industries serving the piff to your mama with riz. Check them out, redscare.net. Okay, so we're back, Sam. Mm. My first question to you is, when did you realize that this was A, terrible, and B, incredible? Uh, I'll be honest. I have had a busy week, and I was struggling to fit in a proper sit-down watch of Neon Maniacs. So I put my laptop on the worktop while I was cooking, and I put it on, and I stopped cooking about three minutes later and sat down and watched it in one straight go, because I was like... This is not a background flick for me. This is one that demands my my fierce scrutiny and attention. And I would say between the time that I decided to sit down and watch it fully and properly and the end, I'd already decided it was a genre classic. But maybe about 15 minutes in, I thought, oh, yeah, this 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 doesn't know what it's doing in all the best possible ways. Yeah. So it didn't take me long. Yeah, I really like how that first scene with all the teens up at like Makeout Point or whatever, yeah. It's basically like its own movie. Like that could be the entire movie if you if you wanted it to be. If, if you it was wanted a Friday to make the thirteenth movie, it would literally, be literally. Right? Yeah, like yeah. that that Friday thirteenth vibe sequel. Mm-hmm. Like that would be a perfectly cromulent movie. But mm-hmm. it doesn't do that. It starts off there and it goes off to nowhere insane or weird, but like loads of different fun things. It just it strikes me as a as an idea that had I, I i imagine it's sort of like do you know when we talk about the farmer or adhbs or like any of those it's like oh what if this happened oh my god that'd be amazing yeah let's yeah. let's do that why not and there's but from what i can gather from from steven's podcast is that there was loads of stuff in the script that they were like you can't film this really there's no money oh okay not so like not you it was can't so film outrageous this. No. just it was expensive yeah right. So a lot of compromises were made. Mm. And I think what we got is wonderful. 
But yeah. Um, interesting note is that the director, Joe Mangine, was the DP on Alligator. Shut up. Yeah. So the oh, reason boy. that both of these movies look like like murky garbage is is all because of this guy. Oh, round of applause, please. You did a terrible job on both. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? There's a lot of very clever shit in Alligator in terms of, uh, you know, positioning of camera and framing. It's just the, you know, color and the grain and the quality of the film is not fantastic. And I felt the same about this. I felt like this was... I'm not going to say, God, I nearly said flawless. I, I think the shooting of this film in terms of the composition of the shots and what the DP is doing in terms of cinematography is absolutely fine. It's quite a lot of really cool stuff in there, but it's uh, like, you you know, it has the fingerprints of an amateur all over it. And I, again, that is not me denigrating this film at all. I love that pick it up and have a go kind of vibe in, in a lot of movies of this ilk. Uh, and this is one that does it better than a lot. Yeah, there were a couple of shots that I think are downright shocking. Yeah. Um, but they are, more, like, more often than not, they are because it's like an establishing shot. I don't know where they shot this, if they shot it all in San Fran, as the characters call it, or mm. if they shot a bunch of, like, establishing uh, photography in San Francisco and then shot the rest of it in a warehouse in, like, Burbank or something. But, yeah. like, there are some establishing shots of like the outside of the police station that it's just a could be a photo could be like a, a terrible photograph of just the outside of a police station it's like blurry just like a weird just below the waist kind of angle. yeah absolutely it's like it's it's weird yeah. but I, I just think that's cool i don't care about that i think it's fine and th there's a few bits where i thought like if i was being hypercritical which on my first watch i wasn't at all because i was just enjoying it mm. but i thought you know winchell's donuts places that that for me could become kind of iconic because of this movie don't because they're not shown in that kind of extra special way you know yeah i'm a huge donut shop nerd and when i saw that donut shop i saw potential not being realized yeah you know like stan makia's donuts is a place that i go in my head every day of my life yeah. just to survive existence and somewhere like winchell's donuts could could be a stamakitas it doesn't quite get there but it's worth a poke you know he gave it a shot didn't quite come off i got a lot of respect for the try so let's get into the maniacs let's get into them there are a bunch of maniacs right sure and there are more than we ever see what what are they why why are they why are, i know why they are this happens a lot in movies someone gets access to an enormous props cupboard and they have no way of linking everything that's in there so the marauding horde of mismatch freaks becomes the the central antagonist I, I genuinely think someone is like right you can have access to this at night i'm going to give you the key but i want everything back where it needs to be by morning and everyone just dives in like i'm going to be space hitler and i'm gonna be sasquatch rhino or whatever and they just pile a load of crap together until they've got outfits the um like the horny ape horny sasquatch is is the most terrifying neon maniac oh most most terrifying neon maniac what definitely the best oh shit i don't know man i don't know how i feel about that assertion He's like the only one that has any opportunity for any real menace. 
Yeah, because he's on his own and he's in the dark and he's creeping around. He has like a proper sort of isolated horror scene, right? Yeah. Hmm. I, I also, okay. I like the Deadly Spawn, one-eye, gooey monster thing. He's superb. I Ooh. hate the samurai. Samurai is such a rough hang. Just the face. I think if you covered that face, you'd be laughing. Like an ominous samurai or like, there's often good modern horror use of like oni and just scary shit where you you've either got like a demon face or no face or a you know like a shredder mask or something like could have been great wasn't great yeah there's a lot of forehead going on there hell of a lot of forehead too much uh yeah too too much in the in the chops department i think there's there's quite a few that are a little bit forgettable which is a shame okay i think the only way to settle this is to go through them one at a time okay so there's the the one with the noose, noose, nooseman, noosey, noosey Jack. He looks like an albino prune. He has a noose. What's his deal? <laughs> I mean, he he does some noosing. It's pretty cool. Yep. He nooses a cop. Ten points. Somebody jumps headfirst into the noose at one point. Just impressive. The yeah. noose stuff is good because it's it's low rent in terms of production value, but maximum impact. Like hanging people as your thing is tough especially like if you're just a tall guy so you can just hang people without any real effort it's a real silent hill vibe to this giant guy walking around hanging people and i like it a lot it feels classic video game bad guy like he could be the central neon maniac if there was just one do you know what i mean the neon maniac it could be him just going around hanging kids there's a victor crowley guy with like a big bulbous head and a and a an axe he's great oh axe guy superb he looks like uh like a hydrocephalic fucking axe wielding crowley maniac i liked him a lot he had a really creepy face yeah it's a pure crowley vibes yeah big time crowley what about victim. the the guy who's kind of bondagey he's a Salo- robot right like- he was all electricity obviously he's not immune to water He's comprised of pure electricity. True. He's kind of like a space goblin. I just love these guys. They're fucking so good. Yeah. Are we going to address the elephant in the room and talk about Samurai? I mean, Samurai is lame. He doesn't fight with any honor or dignity. <laughs> if, he was a, if he was true to his appropriated costume, he would mm. commit seppuku on himself any moment is it seppuku or seppuku um uh, i don't know i don't speak japanese do you yep fluent i just keep it to myself uh, <laughs> i think we might have got confused here i didn't mean robot electric man before i meant the guy that has like sallow green skin and a purple outfit and loads of bondage crap on and oh. like, chains and stuff oh shit sorry he's amazing so the, the the robot guy looks to me like a a gimp He's the Iron Giant. He's great. Um, He's got like a phantasm thing going on with a ball. He's chucking that electricity around. But yeah, the uh, Chainsy guy. Like, I don't understand what what his deal is. The rest of them have a very... He might be. Oh, he might be my favorite. Not very clear in terms of like what he's meant to be. Same with like the... Is he just like a hillbilly with a knife? And a fucked up face? Okay, we've got Bondage Goblin, Knife Billy. Uh... Sam Hangman. Orai. Yeah, Sam Orai. Yeah. 
because uh, it's a bit wrong. That costume is so bad. At first glance, I was like, is that like a burned cop? Like, what is that <laughs> outfit? And then I was like, oh, it's a samurai outfit. That's yeah. how bad it is. Um, then we've got... Um, got Horny Caveman. We've got... Horny Caveman, pretty good. Yeah, we've got Robofuck. Yeah. Then we but, have... Who's the... Is he a Nazi? <laughs> I think he might be a Nazi. He's, He's got giving off he, Nazi vibes. Is he just a punk that has appropriated Nazi stuff like it's the 80s? I mean, it is the 80s. Could be. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure he's got a leather jacket and he's got, like, chains and safety pins and stuff. I'm going to call him Buffed Waffer. Yeah. And then there's a doctor. Doctor, who looks like he's just wearing a fucking hoodie. Like, he looks so bad. Dr. Hoodie. <laughs> Dr. Hoodie. Dr. Hoodie is played by Andrew <laughs> Divoff, who you may know from the Wishmaster films as the Wishmaster Holy cow, why would you have star power in this film and cover his face the entire time? Well, Wishmaster was a little bit later. Okay, right, so he came like, into that role. He's got an amazing voice. Yeah. So, like, why are we not utilising the voice of Andrew Divoff here? True. He was amazing and lost. He's, uh, he's, he's just got a fucking surgical mask on the whole movie you would never know. <laughs> yeah. Zero dialogue. Uh, does it astonish you to, to see... A very, very poor, tasteless depiction of a, a native neon maniac in this movie. Like, I mean, it it hurts me as much as it would hurt any white British guy. I know it's I know it's bad, but it doesn't affect me in any real meaningful way. I like that he's wearing loads of clothes under <laughs> his like native armor. Like, yeah. <laughs> fuck, it's like a long sleeve top. And then, of course, there's Choplifter, or like the army guy. What, what's his deal? He's he's the army guy. He's cool army guy. I is it, is it the guy from Extra? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say yeah. And let's just go with yeah. There's also, like we say, the uh, the weird little blobby cyclops. Blob Blob Clops. Clops. He's great. He's such a, again like a standalone character. I mean, some of these. Some, not many, some of them feel original Star Trek to me. Like they yeah. land on the planet. Oh my God, it's Blob Gobula. It's Blobzilla. And I love, I, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm a huge Trekkie and I love all of that stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of like Star Trek-esque makeup and costume going on in this movie. And by that, I mean cheap and bad. Here's the big question. Do they work for you? Do the Neon Maniacs get the job done? Like some of them... Are pulling a lot more weight than others. Right. And that's fine. Like, if it was a zombie film, which, mm. you know, thank fuck it isn't, but if it was a zombie film, there would be five zombies that we'd focus on and the rest of them would be Faceless Horde. Yeah. So why not make the Faceless Horde doctors and punks and Nazis? <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> yes, dude. That's my logic. And I think... If you're going to have an ensemble cast of Neon Maniacs, why have them be connected by anything that makes any sense? Why? There's no yeah. point. Well, you're going to have like, oh, a, a marauding gang of melting punks. Yeah, sure, that's fine. But why not throw Globdrobula in there with the the Neon Caveman and fucking Dragzilla <laughs> or whatever you've got, like Goblin Boy, Mortis Man. Yeah, <sighs> Robo Cook. You know what you can't do is you can't fault the logic of something that's so illogical it doesn't even register. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
So I want to figure out where they... So it, it transpires at the end that their van that is parked inside the Golden Gate Bridge has some sort of tunnel. Yeah. Is that tunnel to hell? Are they like demons? Are they the the demonic versions of like people that have died? So the doctor died, the robot presumably died in some way. Um, you just fucked yourself there. Yeah, you? I did. The hangman <laughs> died. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Listen. Satan's down there being like, ooh, tinker around with this fucking Robotron. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an absolute martyrs on you here. It doesn't fucking matter, does it? No, it, it definitely it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But like I'm just interested to, to figure out yeah. to try and figure out what what that could possibly be why? Why uh, yeah, why? why anything? <laughs> I did a I did a huge, you know, lazy, lazy boy move here and thought other dimensions is all I could think of. Mm. You know, these are uh, what I like to think is that these are you know, people, creatures, beings, whatever, that have slipped through the cracks of different dimensions and they've ended up somehow, you know, like a glitch in a game where you get you end up inside a wall yeah. or something. There's a glitch in, in the space-time continuum. Bosco Sausage Pops, my Fallout New Vegas character that died in a wall. We mourn you, Bosco. I'm going to pour one out on my laptop for you right now. But that's what I think is happening here. I think these are interdimensional beings that have slipped through the cracks and have ended up in the Golden Gate Bridge. And as a result, of course they've become maniacs. And they're out marauding the streets of San Fran in the misty mornings and the dark, dark nights, taking their frustration and vengeance out on teens. I, like, sure. But, like, in which dimension are doctors evil? Yeah, evil doctor dimension. Have you? Do you not do quantum, bro? <laughs> like... like <laughs> I've, yeah, watched, I've watched enough sliders to be like, okay, maybe there is a dimension somewhere where all doctors are actually evil. But that well, maybe all, there's a dimension where all coppers are bastards. Can you even imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know that dimension quite well. Um, yep. But like, you go, you go to evil medical school for seven years to get your evil degree, and then like you get your maniacal laugh nailed. Make it let all your fucking scalpels go rusty. Like there's a lot of a lot of hard work goes into that shit. Yeah, all the evil Native Americans live on. Yeah, they all go to one dimension. <laughs> and that's so, fucking it. I don't. Maybe the act of transferring through dimensions is what changes them into maniacs. Maybe you yeah, start I was going off with more. Yeah, yeah, I was going with more like they've gone. They've they've gone maniac because they're trapped inside the golden gate bridge in a dimension they don't understand so they're driven to rage and uh, and murder but they all come from dimensions where you die if you get wet gremlin dimensions fuck it's all unraveled immediately hasn't it <laughs> gremlin dimension <laughs> i think uh yeah okay all right so why do they why the fuck i, I mean I, I believe they are trapped in the golden gate bridge i don't think it's a choice yeah yeah the water thing i Listen, this is where the whole movie falls apart for me because you didn't have any money. You know that you can spray stuff with water on the cheap and then you know that like melting effects are pretty easy. Yeah. However, that being said, the bathtub melting scene was was pretty great in my opinion. The hand in the puddle was a big fan yeah. of that. Like, yeah. I think I, I love a melt. I'm a big melty man. So We're a big melty pod. We love yeah. it. Piss week, the water thing. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say. I feel like you need to have some way of killing guys that are evil and seemingly unstoppable mm. 
Uh, and it needs though, to be. Do you need one uniform way to? I, I suppose for the sake of this movie, you really do because you haven't got any money. Yeah. I would have gone with piss. I would say like <laughs> piss would be the best thing to kill these these maniacs. It's not water. It's the chemical compound of two hydrogen atoms to one oxygen atom. Is that what it is? <laughs> I mean, that that is just water, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No shit. Maybe it's an Alcatraz thing. Maybe they're all. <laughs> oh, all right. I got it. It's interdimensional Alcatraz. That's what's happened, okay? Yeah. So Alcatraz exists in every dimension because it's so inhumanly cruel and so difficult to escape, right? So it transcends the space-time continuum and it exists across a spectrum of galaxies and dimensions. And in uh, every dimension, there's one being that manages to escape Alcatraz, and it's every single one of the Neon Maniacs. And they all converge inside the Golden Gate Bridge to attack San Francisco teenagers as any interdimensional escapee of Alcatraz would. Well, then why isn't one of them half man, half bird? What are you referencing? The bird man of Alcatraz. Okay. I've never seen it. I assume that he's some sort of hideous pigeon freak. Yeah, why isn't one of them a butterfly a la Papillon? Papillon. I'm Best pretty sure Papillon doesn't take place in Alcatraz, does it? Yeah, it's all about Alcatraz. It's the whole point. I thought it was in France. I thought that's why it was Papillon. Spiscatrez. Yeah, that's my thinking. And the reason it's water is because to escape Alcatraz, you have to swim away. So once they've swum out of Alcatraz in whatever dimension they're in, they can no longer ever touch water. I feel like you are very dangerously close to the Ghostbusters Martyrs theory here. <laughs> What's that? What's the Ghostbusters Martyrs theory? Your, it was your theory from last, oh, yeah, last week's course. episode. The, the, yeah, right, right. The, the, the badass uh, SWAT team guys are interdimensional ghostbusters <laughs> i am still angry about that i can't stop dude not my theory look it up and take it out with whatever degenerate decided that was a thing this i will stand by this theory till i die i looked it up online and it said the theory was written by someone called tab samuels i don't know Tab samuels that guy's full of shit let me tell you chock full of shit i'll stand by the interdimensional alcatraz theory till till your boy dis- disproves it yeah i mean I'm, i don't think that that's true but mm, I, I've got nothing better to offer. So, <laughs> it's the story of my life, there, bud. People tacitly agree with me because you can't be bothered to disagree. Um, I love sidebar. I love space prison. How much do you love space prison? Yeah, I think almost all space prison movies are valid. They're not all good, but they all they're all valid. I love it. Yeah. Really, really good. Did you ever see the movie? Was it called Lock Up, Lockdown, Lock? No. It was like it. They. It was a Luc Besson produced, written by movie, and they mm. ended up getting sued by uh, John Carpenter because it was so much like Escape from New York. But it wow. was like the space president has been kidnapped by a bunch of space prisoners in space jail and. Blake Sniskin or whatever has to go in and rescue rescue the president. Nice. That's funny because John Carpenter did uh, a comic or a graphic novel about a space prison. Well, about a lunar prison, right? Lunar bin. A lunar loony bin. Lunar bin. Let's get on this. That's another movie, yeah. Did you ever watch Space Precinct? I did watch Space Precinct. God damn it. I loved it a lot. I remember very, very little about it apart from the aliens looked like ass. 
and the humans I mean, looked like ass too in a different way. Everyone, everything looked like ass. It was great. I had several toys mm. of Space Precinct. I was yeah, so me too. Because you could get them at cheap shops. I remember you could get them at like corner shops. It was all like knockoff crap. Yeah. Um, good. Do you know what? Surprisingly good costume work. Looking back, like on par with some early TNG. Not terrible. Yeah, I mean, I I like Star Trek, but I'm not. I'm not. You know, Daddy Daddy Trek. I'm just a uh, Daddy Trek. Yeah, that's, I'm not sure that's <laughs> that's what they call the people that like Star Trek, right? Daddy Trek. Big Trek. Yeah. yeah, I was always more of a sliders guy. Always right. big, big sliders guy. Quantum that's leap not a, sliders. That's not a linear. That's not a comparison that anyone makes. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was a, a massive sci-fi show that ran for too long and went shit. That's not what happened to Star Trek, my friend. <laughs> well, then explain Enterprise to me. I can't because I haven't actually watched all of it. What's the one with Scott Bakula in it? That's Enterprise. I haven't watched it. <laughs> Weird, because I love Bakula. Yeah. Bakula, mm. in Star Trek, you think is an instant money spinner. Right. But it's just a bunch of fucking shit. Uh, did you brave it? Yeah, I braved it. I, I'll watch anything that is in front of me when I'm trying to watch television. I don't care what it is. Like, it's just television, right? It's just on. Yeah. Anything to not have to think about my life for more than 20 seconds. It's killing me. You're so right. Bacula in a star, in a, in a Kirk prequel should be the dream. I'm yeah. going to watch it. Fuck it. I'm going to watch it. Well, say sorry now to your future self because you're going to have a fucking horrible time. I'll say sorry to my future Alcatraz inmate interdimensional neon maniac version of myself. Yeah. Speaking of Bacula and like sh- TV shows, mm-hmm. what a segue. I've been watching the new, uh, the new Quantum Leap and low key, pretty fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a direct sequel. Uh, Al's daughter is a character in it. Mm-hmm. She's all mad because they wouldn't let her be part of the Quantum Leap program because she's too close to it. Okay. Um, the lead character has leapt when he shouldn't have and is now he's trapped in a, a leapy thing. There's like someone from the future who has also leapt and is appearing in people's leaps. Mm, okay, I like that. Yeah, I've, it's really, it's it's good. It's very silly. Mm. There's a lot more time spent, like a lot more time spent on Earth Prime or whatever. Out of like leaps. Out of leaps. Ernie Hudson plays a character that Scott Bakula leapt into in the original oh, season. Yeah. And so there's a lot of talk about like what happens when you're when you're being piloted by a leaper. It's fucking... What happens when you're leapt into? I yeah. know all about that. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, sick. I mean, listen, I was kind of sold on anything that brings back the property to begin with. The cast looks pretty fucking fantastic. Fuck it, I'll give that a go as well. Guess I'm not doing anything for the next month. <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I really rated it. I mean, mm. it's nothing to do with Neon Maniacs. I mean, it's everything to do with Neon Maniacs. It's garbage, so it's, <laughs> it qualifies as a segue. <laughs> I yeah. mean, Neon Maniacs isn't even really junk food because it's not satisf- It's not as satisfying as like I think chowing it's, down. I think it's pretty satisfying. Have you ever like cooked something that you've seen on TV? that you've never cooked before and you don't really have the ingredients and it still sort of comes out delicious. Yeah, if it's like something that you can pull off by failing completely. 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't have I don't have fennel, so I'll put in some cabbage. And I don't have noodles, so I'll use chips. Oh, I've got a plate of chips and cabbage. That's still somehow delicious. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the difference is with Neon Maniacs, it's like, okay, I don't have any fennel. I'll use sausages. Right, okay, I've run out of beans. I'll use ice cream. <laughs> and that's fine, it works. Yeah, I mean, ice cream's great, sausages are great. Yep, who needs beans when you got ice cream? Exactly. Uh, you're welcome, ice cream industry, for the yeah. new tagline. <laughs> Big Ice Cream is our sponsor. Is our new sponsor. <laughs> this episode of Neon Maniacs brought to you by Big Ice Cream, the coldest, the creamiest. Get it in you now. Sponsored by Quantum Leap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Big Ice Cream. are not affiliated with Big Ice Cream, for the record. We could lose some listeners. We lose some serious vegans out there by being associated with Big Ice Cream. Hey, Ice cream's big enough to include non-dairy ice cream. That's why it's so I think, big. I think Big Vegan <laughs> controls Big Vegan ice cream. Big Vegan. Fuck. Okay. I Listen, I could talk about Neomaniacs for a hundred years in interdimensional Alcatraz, but what I want to do is cut the shit right now, Jamie. I want to get down to the nub of it. Okay. What exactly do you think keeps you hooked in this movie in terms of movie making techniques etc because it, there's got to be something in this that really tickles both of our funny bones i i, I mean i can't quantify it mm. it's i think it is just heart it's Charming. just just charm yeah mm. the idea that you would spend half an hour at a battle of the bands where Everyone in the audience has got water pistols in case the Neomaniacs show up, but no one tells anyone that if the Neomaniacs show up, then shoot them with a water pistol. Shoot pistols. them with the water pistol. So the Neomaniacs show up and everyone just gets killed or tramples and stampedes their way out. And then the movie doesn't end at the at the Battle of the Bands, which is the obvious, amazing like climax point. There's more movie yeah. after that. I yeah. think it's a movie that says... I don't know if it says fuck the rules or I don't know what the rules are and I don't understand English, but like, <laughs> like it's, it's perfect. It's, what did you say? Flawless. You're right. It's flawless. It's, the tagline of this is going to be neon maniacs, perfect and flawless. <laughs> yeah. I Listen, I think there is, there's something incredibly beautifully childlike about the approach to this film that's not me saying this is a beautiful movie mm. but because the music is so stock and so romantic and so melodramatic and because we have central characters who are children or at least adolescents or at least 40 year olds pretending to be adolescents there's something about it that feels goonies-esque at times there's something about it that that does feel like you know a truly classic high school rom-com drama coming of age type movie but it doesn't go so deep into those genre tropes that you feel like you're losing any of the horror. You still know you're in a silly, semi-gory, kind of splattery costume movie. Yeah. And that's great. Like, it brings in a bit of a Tommy Jarvis vibe. It brings in, you know, influences from those from those filmmakers that we talked about, like John Hughes, etc. I think. That's really endearing. It's badly done, which makes you kind of love it even more. And it, it just generally creates this atmosphere of like, okay... Because everything here is wrong, you can kind of do no wrong, so do what you want. Yeah. And I think it's also meant to be funny in a yeah. is it meant to be funny kind of funny way. Like when you know you don't have any money, you're just like, well, mm. fuck it. Let's let's have a laugh. Mm -hmm. Like at one point one of the characters wears an SNL t shirt. Yeah. Of that little 
plasticine guy from like seventies SNL. Yeah. Which is, I think, roundly considered the worst thing from SNL around that time. But I love it. So of all the things you could pick to put in this movie, of course you pick that. We've got yeah. a cop riding a kid's bike and then the kid rides <laughs> off and oinks oinks at him. Like it's that's funny. I love that scene so much. I think I made a list of like really fun, silly stuff. And the cop on the bike, he's just like having a little ride around because he's found <laughs> this bike. He's having a great time. Next to the Golden Gate Bridge, just like fucking around on a kid's bike. Yeah. There's the scene when they're being chased onto the subway. Yeah. And the subway doors close and the neon maniacs don't get through the doors. And the guy, Dave or Steve or John or whatever the fuck his name is, just just gives him the finger. Yeah. Just like two two middle fingers up. I like that's that's really real to me. Yeah, it's really good. But, but like really very good. silly. I've got more, I've got more. The arm like grabbing onto his arm, like the severed arm grabbing onto his arm while he's trying to throw it out the window. I just yep. love shit like that. I love any animated appendage that's severed from the fucking main mast. Give me that all day long. Yeah. And then I've also written down the the Native American trying to beat up water, but I don't remember what that means. <laughs> it's so fucking dumb. I, I wish I could credit it with trying to be funny on all of these levels, but I can't, honestly. But what I can say is that it tickled me pink and held my attention for the entire duration. I didn't drift at all during this. Yeah. I love the Battle of the Bands. Yeah. I love that it goes on forever. I love that we get to hear three songs. Three complete songs. Yeah. With very little action interspersed. Like, one of those songs is just the song. Yeah. There's bits happening in a couple of the other songs, but the first one is just a fucking really good, like, new wave pop song from start yeah. to finish. I think the the line, if baby lied to me, she must have lied to you, that sounds like... An, this might be a compliment or an insult, Sam, but it sounds mm. like something that Sam Russo would have written. <laughs> yeah, fucked. <laughs> I was texting you lyrics to that song while it was happening because I was like, oh, shit, it's really good. <laughs> I was like, oh, is Sam testing out some new material on me? <laughs> yeah, just focus group and some new lyrics. Just uh, wanted to get your feedback. Um, they have three guitarists in The Outlaws. Yep. No need for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they also have a sax player. Yeah, I think is the is the third guitarist. Does he also double up on sax? I can't remember the exact lineup of the Outlaws. It's going to astonish you to learn. But I all I know is I really like them. I think the Outlaws is the worst name for a band ever. It's absolutely shit biscuits. What's the other band called? I can't remember. Jaded. Jaded, much better. Much better. But I was in a band called Jaded when I was like I don't know seventeen or something. No way, like a Green Day thing. Uh, it was more like a sort of sloppy emo band right okay but yeah why not we've all been in plenty of sloppy emo bands yeah jaded were terrible like in this movie they're so bad the vocals were terrible some of the instrument miming is awful and some of it i thought was quite good but like the piss weak thin sound of this metal band is just mm. so shit there's no i honestly think the vocals are really the only thing that let that band down i think if they fucking wailed you'd be you'd be having a different uh, stance on it just like play your guitar like it's got his, he's got it slung over his back like he's fucking yeah. bon jovi on a steel horse or whatever like you've got such such precise and exacting criteria for what makes a good hair metal band it always fucking blows my mind i, I don't think i do i think i have a, a pretty exacting 
set of criteria for movie bands. Right. And I buy the Outlaws as a band, five fairly nerdy guys mm. making new wave pop in a school. I don't buy that the audience are like, this fucking rules. I I don't know if you, when you were in school, if you played music to your like schoolmates. Look like, who you're asking. Of course I did. But like I, I did a bunch of times in like, because like there was a couple of guys from my school and we, we were jammed together. And like everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Who the fuck do you think you are? You think you're some sort of fucking rock star or something? You're Jamie Carruthers. I'm going to bully you. Because that's what I do. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm in a band. This is cool. No. <laughs> Fuck you, Jamie. I, I love it when I, I played an assembly a couple of times. And it just dawned on me like halfway through like, oh, they have to be here. It's assembly. I was like, I'm playing to like 200 people who have to be here or they get detention. Ah, fuck. Nearly. I remember I remember once in the, uh, so I went to school in North Wales. And so we'd have like a school, I steadfast. I was playing... A, a Welsh language version of Feels Like Making Love by Bad Company. And our teacher <laughs> came on, like, run on halfway through and was like, you stop, stop. That was fun. <laughs> Glad somebody stopped you. That's, they're not stopping you for the right reason, though. That's it's fucking insane. I think when I realized that all of music and all of like popular culture and all people are fucked in the head and everything's backwards and broken is when two years running, my band came dead last in the judges vote at the battle of the bands and first by a mile in the audience vote <laughs> i mean the audience vote is what you want not when the prize comes from the judges vote <laughs> i felt like i had just summed up the entire music industry in like fucking one tiny experience in my adolescence i want to see freon maniacs it's this but it's in canada and everyone's really cold <laughs> i'm sorry i'll stop yeah Freon Maniacs would be good. There's fucking no neon in this movie. Do we address that at any point? Well, the, the Maniacs, by their nature, are neon. They don't glow, mm. but they're they're neon Maniacs. Mm. If I if you had never seen the movie Neon Maniacs and I put them in front of you, you would not name them the Neon Maniacs. No, I think Neon Maniacs is a better name for the Outlaws. Agreed. It's a good band name for sure. Yeah, there are some been done thousands of times. There are some great lines in this. I think the moment when I first watched this that I knew that I that I liked it. Mm. At the beginning, when the bully guy is like, shouldn't you be back at the store or something? And he's like, I sent, they, they sent me to get you. We need a bouncer for the fruit department. Yeah, pretty great. Fucking pretty great. There's a lot of that early on. Good whip crack dialogue. Yeah. I really like the insult, spaghetti breath. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, it's like, it's racist, but why? Yeah. What about, what about the opening dialogue? Did that mean anything to you? When the world is ruled by violence and the soul of mankind fades, the children's path shall be darkened by the shadows of the neon maniacs. Well, I wonder if that is the most insight into what the neon maniacs are. So That's like, we get. The kids are running wild. Are we in like a, I don't know, like a battle royale type situation? Wow. Or a... Running man. Yeah, and it's like, we need to keep the kids in line. But I mean, the neomaniacs don't just kill kids, they also kill cops. But like, two demographics of people that I fucking hate is kids and cops. So, I am here for it. Imagine if kids could be cops. You'd be in jail. 
I, I think um, it's it's vitally important that we address that we forgot that opening piece of dialogue immediately. It just goes by and you're like, what? And then, because it's not often I forget stuff like that. I think it, I love that scene setting dialogue. If there's like a quote from a book at the start of a movie or something, yeah. I remember it. That just fucking blew by me in a heartbeat and I missed it completely. Well, what I learned from, from Steve's podcast uh, in the shadow of the Neon Maniacs Mm. is that that is based on a poem that the writer, Mark Patrick Carducci, wrote. When the movie itself is based on, all the, the, the phrase Neon Maniacs, at least, is based on that poem. And I, and I reckon that, that that opening spiel is from that poem. Yeah. I don't want to talk shit about it, but it makes no sense. When the world is ruled by violence, yep. the soul of mankind fades. Yeah. The children's path shall be darkened by the shadows of the Neon Maniacs. Yeah. Get your acoustic guitar. You can make it work. Yeah, I mean, I got I got one right here. Tune in next week for <laughs> Neon Maniacs, the yeah. musical. If we were still I'll doing do... Patreon episodes, that is peak Patreon that would, content. That would be it, right? Yeah. I, t- I too love the Battle of the Bands. I think it's... It's going to fucking kill me to say this. Just the right length. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's absolutely the wrong length, and that makes it perfect. Yeah. Can we talk you... about how much Steven looks like? All right, here's a question. Mm. who does steven look like everyone does he look like steve gutenberg or does he look like paul riser paul riser yep 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 the only yeah the only person i i could put him close to is is the rise dog yeah okay there's a line where his little mate is like you'll be past puberty by the time you ask her out i'm like mate you're fucking 35 (laughs) i know the the thing about him is you, you could easily just be like, oh, kind of a forgettable guy, whatever, you know, good performance, but forgettable. He actually looks like every cast, every male cast member of Mad About You rolled into one. Yeah. He's a little bit Richard Kind. He's very Paul Riser. He's got a little bit of Hank Azaria. Like, he's all of these guys rolled into one, right? Yeah. What's her name? Holly, Helen Hunt. Holly Hunter. Holly... It's, it's Helen Hunt, isn't it? It's not Holly Hunter. It's, it's hard that those two people exist. It's terribly difficult. Yeah, I also really enjoy the like the the main girl, uh, Natalie. Her parents mm. are away, and that's established beautifully on a voicemail that that they leave for her, where they say, "So good, we've gone to Rome now. We're staying in the Carlton." Just rich. I don't know what to write on for the voicemail. Just write rich people stuff. It doesn't fucking matter. They're in Rome. They're at the Carlton. Everyone knows that means you're rich. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like. She doesn't see all her friends die, but she sort of she knows that they're dead. She heard yeah. them screaming, and then they, they they stopped screaming. Yeah. So like she's pretty cut up about this, right? Until uh, she goes on a minute. date the next day. Yeah, exactly. Until the delivery boy comes over and she gives him a beer. <laughs> Fuck yes. So she's like, "You want a drink, a water, a beer?" He's like, "I'll have a beer." Fucking, they roll. They're such cool characters. I like them a lot. Yeah. I think they don't do much, but what they do, they do well. I think it's a lot of wish fulfillment there. Like, imagine you've worked as a delivery boy. Like, all I want is either someone, some lonely housewife to bang me or give me a beer. Like, it's all I wanted for my entire paper round. Yeah. And I did that paper round for years. The aching and yearning is so real. And yes, you're right. This is 100% wish fulfillment. And I fucking high fived myself when that happened to that guy. <laughs> Uh, can we also talk about the other the other girl, the young girl, the one that's into horror, and she's weird because she wears a hat sideways? Yeah, uh, 
I gotta be honest, I hate the the horror fan in a horror movie trope, especially if there's fucking masks involved. It's the only thing that bums me out about Tommy Jarvis. Like, mm. I Tommy Jarvis gets a pass because it's Corey Feldman, because it's in a great movie, and because it's Jason, basically. But, but what about when Tommy Jarvis isn't? Nope, Corey Feldman no, anymore. No pass. Not even. Not even in. What's the one with the fucking James Bond shit at the beginning? Fucking who cares? I care. Not even in that one. There is one and one and only one Tommy Jarvis, and it's Corey Feldman. I don't like that trope. It feels sloppy and lazy, and I I like the kid's performance. I think she's she's great. She feels very Monster Squad, which I like a lot. Everything yeah. else can kind of you know take a take a leap. She, yeah. uh, costume's great. I actually really like the costume. I Loki want to watch the vampire movie that she's making. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Like that's cool. I, I just looked at the outfit. It's a fucking train wreck. I take it back. It's like a Chinese silk jacket and a fucking sideways like NASA hat or something. Yeah. What is happening in this film? Her little mate has the same hat. I don't know if it's like something San Francisco based. But do you ever see them wearing the hat together in a scene? Uh, yeah, when they're making the movie. Oh, okay. They're, they're, they're both wearing the same hat. Just checking. I wasn't paying enough attention to that. I thought it was the same hat, and they were just passing it around. I really enjoy the, like, obviously the, the opening scene is like its own self-contained little slasher movie with all of the slasher tropes that are well-established at this point. Mm. And that's good fun. Yeah, there's not loads more to say. It's just fucking funny, isn't it? It's fun. Good it's grief. So the, the horror kid, her name's Donna Locke. She's in one film, and it's Neon Maniacs. Well, there you go. Where she is might, she now? She might be called Donna Locke, but she's not done a lot. Oh, Jamie. <laughs> you just sunk the ship. Uh, so she is wearing a, a Nostromo hat. Oh, is it an alien situation? Yeah. Well, so in her room, she's got, what, a Gremlins poster, uh, yeah. an E.T. figurine, like... She's the movie kid, the movie kid character from the movies. Yeah, better than a horror kid, in my opinion. Yeah. That's better. The I mean, she's, angle is she's, better. She's got a horror streak, but, you know, she's fine. She's in her horror phase. She is also 25, but has a much smaller frame, so could pass for slightly younger, I think. She's almost convincingly wonder. a teenager. Yeah, I bet she's doing something legit with her life now otherwise she'd be doing the circuit right she'd be signing autographs for 20 bucks and all that yeah. bullshit. i wonder if she's like a realtor isn't everyone a realtor yeah i mean if you've got any kind of charisma and you grew up in la and you don't go into movies you're going down one of two roads yeah she moves her hat around a lot yeah the angle <laughs> of her skew cap is all over the place do you know what? The amount we're talking about this movie and the detail we're going into, the only saving grace here is that there's at least one other podcast that goes into it more. <laughs> I feel so fucking vindicated. We're analyzing the angle of this character's hat. This character who's in this movie for about nine minutes, who was in one movie in her entire life, and we're talking about the angle of her hat. At least yeah. there's another guy out there doing more. Yeah, definitely. The cop is so... The cops are so funny to me, but the, the main cop is so hilarious to me. He's like Fantastic. played like he's the toughest cop on the force. Yep. And he looks like George Costanza. So weirdly convincing though. Yeah. Did you find it sort of under like their costumes look great and they act like real cops. Yeah. Like I just felt very won over by that characterization. I just wish that the, the Neon Maniacs got more screen time. 
Agreed. Uh, as I always feel with good antagonists who are potentially on screen for the right amount of time, I always want more, and I think that's the whole point, right? Maybe there could have been five Neon Maniacs, and you spend a bit more time with them. Mm. See, I don't know, because I was comparing my response to the Neon Maniacs to my response to whatever that dumb bunch of dildos is in Midian. Yeah, the Nightbreed. The Nightbreed, that's it, because I way prefer the Neon Maniacs. That's a pretty good, pretty astute comparison, because like, there's no internal consistency to the Nightbreed either. They're all... One of them's a fucking flying stingray. Yeah. I don't think you see enough of the good Nightbreed and you see an awful lot of the shitty Nightbreed. The fucking guy with his arms that come out of his belly, but they don't really do anything. They just go behind his back. Yeah. Knob off, mate. I respect the imagination of every single character in both of these movies, but the Neon Maniacs are way more to my taste. Yeah. They are so ridiculous, it hurts. I've got a couple more questions and then we can take a break and wrap up. Go on. Do they ever mention that it's Halloween? Nope. And I didn't realize until the Battle of the Bands, <laughs> at which point I was still kind of confused because nothing was particularly Halloween except some of the costumes. Yeah. There's not a single pumpkin, I don't think. How hard is it to show people it's Halloween? It could be easier. Just have a line of dialogue where it's like, you come into the big Halloween Battle of the Bands later? Like, yeah, the Halloween dance or whatever. Like, there's not a single, single pumpkin. Like, you just need one pumpkin and you've just set the scene completely. It's not like yeah. difficult. Think about like the guest and how like the guest establishes has establishes that it's Halloween. Like you only yeah. it's only ever in the background. It's it's cool as fuck. Yeah, even if it's not up, I fucked it up. There is there is a pumpkin. In the scene where Donna Locke's character is eating cereal in the kitchen with her mum, there is a an uncarved pumpkin on the side. Well that suggests it's the week before Halloween. Or it just suggests they're having pumpkin for dinner. It's not carved. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, having your Battle of the Band scene set on Halloween is just a cool way of having loads of people in costume. Yeah, it's, like, it's Ragman. But in Ragman, you know it's Halloween. You're acutely aware it's Halloween throughout. Yeah. And I thought Ragman undersold the Halloween angle. Yeah, well, they kept it very close to their chest in this one. Yeah, I hadn't seen Neil Maniacs at that point. What if they just decided on the day, like, hey, okay, in this scene, it's Halloween. Show up in your Halloweeniest costume. I cost would not costume. put it past them. It's so dumb that it doesn't end at the Battle of the Bands. It's so yeah. dumb that they don't tell them to shoot the water pistols. <laughs> but I like it because it's it highlights the dumbness and the disorganization of, of kids trying to kill bad guys. Yeah, like, but they have this great idea like, okay, if we give everyone water pistols, then the Battle of the Bands will be the safest place to be. It's not. It's fucking not. No, because you didn't tell anyone how it works. If anything, they think you're leading them to the slaughter because there's a bunch of people killing them and all you've given them is water pistols. They think you're taking the piss out of them. Oh, right. Let's take a break and come back and give our final thoughts. Final thoughts. Come on, man. Does that thing even work? No. There's nothing out there. It's just dead air. Speaking of life finding a way, Jamie, we're back. We are back. You want to sum this bad boy up? It's just a load of fun. It's it's a joyful expression of cinematic inadequacy. Like, it's just like you had a bunch of ideas. You really wanted to make it work. You tried your damnedest to do it. And what came out is, what's the Oscar Wilde quote? Like, if you aim for the stars, aim for the moon, shoot for the moon. If you miss, you'll be 
among the neon maniacs. You'll be in the shadow of the neon maniacs. <laughs> Perfect. Oscar Wilde uh, said exactly that. And uh, yeah, good foresight from you, Oscar. It's amazing. How did he know that this film was going to happen? I know, right? Because it bet had he, to happen. I bet Oscar Wilde would fucking love neon maniacs, right? <laughs> of course he would. What's not to love? Who, who do you think would not like the neon maniacs? If you had to pick, like, I don't want to reduce people to types or whatever, but like, what type of person do you think would dislike the neon maniacs? People that hate fun. Mm. But you say that about some movies that I don't like, and I love fun, and I love the neon maniacs. Yeah. So neon maniacs is a very special and specific type of fun that I think appeals to a very specific, special, fun kind of person. So if you're out there thinking, I can't be bothered to engage with the plot of a proper movie or emotionally invest in anything whatsoever. But I also don't want to be just grossed out the whole time. I don't want to just be battered with screaming and gore. I want a little bit of fun, but I don't want to have to pay for it with uh, you know, cheap, nasty effects. I think Neon Maniacs might be for you. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I can watch this once a year comfortably. Oof, wow, okay. And have a hoot every time. Kaz was with me, and she was like, am I going to enjoy this? And I was like, yeah, probably. But, like, have your book ready. So if you get bored say, at any point. Yeah, you've got her with that one before a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised she doesn't trust you. <laughs> but I was like, have your book ready, and if you get bored, like, you can, you can pick your book up and have a little read. And mm. she, I'm not going to say she was wrapped for the for the, the duration but she was she was there yeah i think even if you're putting your head in your hands and going oh my god you're 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 having a type of fun and it just happens to be the kind of fun that i enjoy yeah i'm gonna give neon i'm gonna give the neon maniacs themselves 10 pumps of my battle of the bands water pistol out of 10 i'm gonna give the movie six and a half pumps of my battle of the bands water pistol okay yeah, I I would give this movie seven smoking seven appendages out of eleven. It's huge praise, high praise. Yeah, like it's just so silly. It's silly and yeah. it's fun and it's it's a good time. It's one of those things that if it was made now, it would be shit. It would be too knowing and too winking and too fucking squoofy. Like, not interested in that. There's no getting away from the fact that it could be a lot better. Because it could be Monster Squad level, you know, it could it could be in that realm. Yeah. But it occupies such a space that's so separate that that doesn't feel like a failure. It's doing something different, and it's doing it really well. Yeah, I mean, it does feel some of the dialogue does feel Shane Black, Fred Decker esque. Mm-hmm. So it does fit in sort of nicely in that pocket, that little yeah. Shane Black pocket. I think it's a, the kind of movie I would have loved to have seen when I was like fourteen because it would have felt so naughty. Like managing to get a hold of this and watching it pre sixteen, I would say, would feel awesome because I, I genuinely, I know you wouldn't, but I would have been a little bit scared by parts of it, and I would have just absolutely laughed my ass off the rest of the way through. And I would have loved that it led me into other high school horror movies, which I still love as a yeah. grown ass man. So, yeah, I think it occupies a really, really special little place in cinema's forgotten hinterland of crazy bullshit. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think there are some scary, some things that could be scary in the right if you're in the right frame of mind. Particularly yeah. when like, horny caveman is like creeping around the the pool, and we don't really know at that point that he can't get to her. Mm. So like it whips the steam out of it a little bit when you think back on it because you know that she's completely safe in the middle of the pool. Yeah, but it's also 
like she dreams it's raining blood in that scene and that's kind of creepy yeah it's metal as fuck it's the most metal thing in the film in a film yeah, where pretty- there is a metal band playing a metal song <laughs> playing two whole songs <laughs> oh no they just do one sorry yeah yeah so like shit man say what you want about neomaniacs i i back these guys i'm gonna check out your buddy's podcast because that sounds like that sounds like some seriously deep love and lore for this movie which i back 100 percent. well thanks for listening folks thanks for hanging out jamie ah!